So if you were an alien and the only thing <laughs> you knew, <laughs> um, and the only thing you knew about leprechauns came from these two movies. Yeah, I think they were mischievous little guys. <laughs> um, oh, so mischievous. Yeah, I I would probably think that they're like critters or gremlins or just like just another one of those kinds. Is that common among Irish folks? I probably. <laughs> the <laughs> Irish people are the the gremlins of people. <laughs> Um, no, I, yeah, don't I don't feed, know. Don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, it, it's fun. Uh, the, the, the leprechauns are fun. You know, they like to, they like to play. Yeah, I would definitely say that both movies make leprechauns out to be incredibly fun, silly. Um, they all love substances. They all like to party. All the leprechauns want to party. And both leprechauns are really good at just getting women to show up places. Yeah. Uh, they've got connections. They know people who know people. Um, the McCadams yeah, who know the McCarthers <laughs> who know the Fitzgeralds whose second cousin works for Tommy Two Shoes. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's like a almost like a vampire thing if they have some of that vampire mystique where it's just like people are drawn to them hmm. and hypnotized by them find them alluring i don't know if leprechauns are are more alluring i really think that it's the lucky charms and the uh that pot of gold that really gets people going yeah um I feel like being a leprechaun would be extremely stressful because everyone wants to jack your shit all the time. Right. And you have to do creative things to punish them. Mm. That's even more stressful. It's <laughs> like, that's your job. It's like, if I don't somehow tie this to, to what they take or how they take it, then uh, you could be demoted, I guess. This is true. Well, let's get on with our creative punishment. <laughs> this is Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira, and I'm a fan of romantic comedies, and I cannot click my heels together like a like a leprechaun. Uh, my name is Brett, and I'm a fan of horror movies, and I cannot do that in a rhyme. Oh, well. <laughs> I ain't got the time. Oh, and there you go. You got a nice little couplet going. Uh, and uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Brett. Hey, happy St. Patty's Day to you. Everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. That's what I hear. So then does that mean everyone gets kisses? Yeah, or pinches. Kisses or pinches. Depends <laughs> on if you're wearing green. So what's your history with uh, St. Patrick's Day since you're a, you're a real Irish lad? 
Oh, yeah, going out to the St. Paddy's Day parade like the with all the fire trucks and eating corned beef and cabbage over at my aunt's house and other Irish things. I don't know. Um, Do you have a mom that's super in? Like, I feel like every Irish person or Irish heritage person I know has a mom that's super into being Irish. Are you one of those kids? That's my mom. Yeah, that's uh, that's her. She's super into being Irish, but she's also got to she got to visit Ireland a couple times. So that's like that's legit cool. Two questions. Does she have a shillelagh? I don't know. You're you're gonna have to ask her. And then question number two, how how did St. Patrick drive the snakes out of Ireland? And why did he drive all of them out? Because you don't want snakes. They bite people. <laughs> I just I don't also how did the snake thing get lost in the uh St. Patrick's Day thing? Isn't that what what originally happened? It's St. Patrick performed the miracle and then everybody yeah. was happy and then, but then it, somehow then it, be- it led to drinking. <laughs> right. So now it's all about the, the, you know, go spend the money. It's all about capitalism. It's all about profit. They just, people want you to buy St. Paddy's day stuff. And what we like to buy is beer. You know what? I have a theory. Just like how Coca-Cola stole Christmas, I think Guinness stole St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and cheers. Cheers to Guinness for stealing St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Great I job. Mean, yeah, you made no, they, it a good one. They've gonna they've done an okay job. Well, actually, no. If if St. Patrick's Day was a baby that it stole and raised, we would have called CPS by now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Christmas is doing much better with their adopted parents. Yeah, well, we are... We're nice to have over at the beginning of the day, but by the end of the day, we're we're peeing on stuff in the backyard. Right, right. Oh, man. So this week we are doing leprechaun movies. And and like you said, the leprechaun tends to be very mischievous. I I was reading some leprechaun facts in preparation of this episode. And one of the anecdotes was about a man who caught a leprechaun and learned his lesson about looking away from the leprechaun because he tied a red scarf on the branch of the tree that held the uh, the pot of gold. But then when he came back to the forest, he saw that all the trees had little red scarves on them. Oh, he must have went mad. Of course. <laughs> but, you know, you just you don't you don't cross the leprechaun. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's 4D chess right there. That's the. Mm-hmm. That's the hardcore fairy tale stuff. <laughs> right. So, which movie would you like to start with? I think it would probably be better to do Luck of the Irish first. All right, let, let's do it. So, Luck of the Irish. Now, when you suggested we do Leprechaun for St. Patrick's Day, um, you didn't necessarily give me Leprechaun as the theme. You're like, ah, we can choose an Irish movie. But then I was thinking, what if we saved Ireland 
and we just focused on leprechauns as uh, <laughs> as yeah. the enduring mascot of uh, St. Patrick's Day. And I found, as far as I know, the only leprechaun rom-com in existence. Uh, and I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah, I thought the one the one word to really describe this movie would be adorable. It's just it's just cute. This like, is an adorable movie. This is the kind of movie where I I would see families playing during St. Patrick's Day, like how you play yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. And maybe you're not watching every scene of the movie, but you're drinking your green beer and glancing over and being like, isn't that cute? Yeah, and then but there is the one scene where if anyone's paying attention, they go, oh, hey, everyone, wait, wait, wait. This is the scene where, meh. This is the scene where Horace does this and then everyone's like oh horace yeah it's really all about horace the leprechaun i i think that you know if there's one thing to learn about leprechauns it's that they're just steam sealers wherever they are i mean who even cares about the other characters when the leprechauns on the oh screen? yeah oh yeah um i <laughs> i never got into wrestling uh but friend friend of the show nick johnson uh, he got into wrestling during college. So I would go over he to his like house. Yeah. I would go over to his house for all the big like events, the WrestleMania, whatever. And so it'd be a whole bunch of wrestling fans there. And we'd all fill out our little forms. We'd like put money in. So it'd be like, who will win this match? And he got some little money on the matches and it's fun. And one of the wrestlers had a, a leprechaun sidekick <laughs> and his name was Hornswoggle. And I like, <laughs> like, like even Hornswoggle was just an absolute scene stealer. Like every time he came out, the crowd would go nuts for Hornswoggle. Yeah, I I really like the the wrestlers who who do some do some camp, do some comedy. I, I yeah. feel like there's there's like a specific term for that type of wrestler, but I love it. Yeah, and he yeah he was a heel for sure. So he was definitely a bad guy. And love uh, heels. <laughs> uh, Sham Sh- Shamrock or something was the guy's real. It, Ken Shamrock. He was the oh wait, no, Ken Shamrock's that. an MMA fighter. But yeah. Um, <laughs> um, oh man, that that's something that we'll have to post to the page. We should get we should get some hornswoggle footage to add to the Facebook page. Definitely. Um, so did you know, did you know anyone in this movie? Like Tyrone Power, you said? Uh, several people <laughs> because I'm a huge dork. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got Tyrone Power, which, I mean, I feel like I'm going to be somebody's grandma here <laughs> explaining this. Well, it's like, well, Tyrone Power, he was really the most popular. Tell me how handsome he was. He's so handsome. Tyrone Power walked so Peter Gallagher's eyebrows could run. Um, But no, really, no, it's actually a tragic story because Tyrone Power was this really popular, like, leading man in his day. But he really wanted to be a serious actor and to, to get, you know, meaty roles. But everybody... He was like, no, you're so beautiful. We just want to put you in everything light and fluffy. Uh, and then he tragically died of a heart attack at age 44. 
so we never really got to see everything that Tyrone Power was capable of, other than being extremely hot. Um, but well, he, I'm he glad was also, I didn't know that going in. Oh, now that, that he died tragically. Yeah. Uh, he is in a really good noir movie, though, where he plays like a mentalist or something in a circus. Um, I wish I could remember the name of this movie, but it, it's really good. So there's Tyrone Power and then Ann Baxter, who uh, is the title character in the movie All About Eve, which is another classic. Uh, and then the guy who plays Tyrone Power's boss, Lee J. Cobb, usually plays the heavy in a lot of noir movies. So you'll usually find him either playing a cop or a gangster. Yeah. He looks familiar. I'm sure I've seen. Yeah, He's also yeah. in uh, on the waterfront with Marlon. Okay, yeah. Um, so between the three of them, you know, they're all kind of, you know, big actors of that era. Although Ann Baxter, you know, was kind of like, meh. Um, I mean, other than all about Eve, I would never say that she's like on the level of like Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe or anything like that. Yeah. Um, she didn't even try. What is it with actors not even trying with their Irish accents? I feel like every single time we have an actor who has to do an Irish accent, they never get an actual Irish actor that's not possible. Because you can't understand them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right. You, you wouldn't because be able they to understand what they because, say. Because the Irish accent is a completely foreign language. It's, it's different. They, they talk different. Um, I felt like I felt like Horace had had a little bit of that. Like I could have used a little bit of subtitles on Horace. Well, I um, always watch my movies with subtitles. I I'm yeah. that person. Um, and yeah, no, Hor Horace did a bit better at the uh, Irish uh, accent uh, than uh, Ann Baxter did, and he kept using this word for fool all the time. Is it uh, Amadon? He kept calling people Amadon. Which basically just means fool. I didn't catch that. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it's because I was reading the subtitles. That's why I caught it. Right. So should we get into it? Yeah. So uh, usually what I'll do is I'll kind of get help from my little friend Wikipedia. But this is, it's three sentences. This is the only thing they have for the plot of this movie, which I should have known before I look this up. Stephen Fitzgerald, a newspaper reporter from New York, meets a leprechaun and a beautiful young Nora while traveling in Ireland. When he returns to his fiancée, Frances, and her wealthy father, Augur, in the midst of a political campaign in New York, he finds that the leprechaun and the young woman are now in the big city as well. Stephen is torn between the wealth and <laughs> between the wealth he might enjoy in New York or returning to his roots in Ireland. And that's the movie. A nice, adorable little movie it is. Um, there's so much more. <laughs> there's so much more. So we start out, he's going through Ireland. And he's got a, he's, he, my impression is he's going through Europe. And then he's kind of whisked back to New York in a rush. Yeah. And, he's a journalist, I think. Right. So he's a writer. He's a journalist. He's kind of freelance. And then he gets this big news that he has to be in New York right away. And so he's trying to get there and he is, I, I didn't get this 
watching it the first time, I guess, but he's, we already know he's engaged. Yeah. I, or no, I, I don't know. I don't know about that, but like things, things are serious with Francis. I guess so. So, uh, or she's but he, just really hot. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but either way he is, uh, he's on his way to New York and he stops off in this little town in Ireland and he meets a leprechaun who no one believes is real. Cause he's by the waterfall that doesn't exist. And the guy catches the leprechaun and then he gives him back his gold. And so the leprechaun is totally besides himself. He's like, no one ever does that. They always take all my gold. They never give it back. So cute. The way that he looks at him, like he's just fallen in love with him. Yeah. And so immediately we establish that this is a man who doesn't want the money just for the money's sake, right? Like this is a good guy. He's got principles. Yeah. He wants to take what's his. Right. And so then he leaves Ireland and Nora's very sad right away because they were supposed to be soulmates or something. She is very sad. Well, they were vibing. They were. They were totally vibing. And then he goes to New York. There he meets with Augur, who's this... uh, who's this guy who just wants to be a politician so he can make more money. Cause he's already made all the money he can make and he doesn't have any political values. He just wants to make money, but he wants to hire Steven as his, as his, a uh, uh, speech writer. And so that means Steven would basically have to be a sellout. Yes. So, no, that's spelled out. That part is spelled out very, like, it's very unclear very what Augur does exactly. Is he right. a publisher? Like, he's just, I'm a big rich man. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it's communicated to us very well that Steven is selling out. But it's, like you said, it's, um, it's like it's a wonderful life or something. It's very heavy on the morality because it's a holiday movie. If this were a Christmas movie, everyone would be like, this is the greatest thing ever. But it's a... Actually, yeah, you're right. Like, if it was Santa Claus that followed him back to New York, people right. would go freaking nuts. I mean, that's basically Miracle on 31st Street, right? Right. So uh, so now that now that Stephen has so much money and he has everything, he has, he has the life of luxury that he's always wanted because he doesn't want to really be huffing it around Europe being a cool writer, like, you know, being a cool writer in Europe. That, that's a terrible job. He wants to have all the money he can just to live in a box in New York. So Augur gets him a, a butler, a manservant, and the manservant turns out to be the leprechaun who's now come to teach him his ways and show him how to be a, a jolly old Irishman and not care about the money and live with Nora happily ever after. And so... That's that's what the movie's really about, and that's a that's an adorable movie. It takes a little long to get there, but yeah, no, there were some scenes I could have done without. Even though it's like you know, it's a it's pretty much not over a hundred minutes long. I don't think, um, but it, it takes a while for us to get there. But I I like some of the gags that they give us with Horace, like Horace drinking him, stealing the milk. It felt very number five to me. Like he's kind of, he's a leprechaun, but he also might as well be Johnny five because he makes all these cute little mistakes. Yeah. And Johnny five is a good one. Cause like it's programmed in him. Like he doesn't know why he stole the milk. He just like, he's not even going to, he's not going to drink it. He just wants the milk. 
Um, it was it, on the doorstep. They they yeah. put out an offering. <laughs> it was for him. Uh, so yeah, it's very funny. It's very cute. I like the part where he's driving the car that breaks down, and then the cops like, "Hey, I'm gonna kick you out of here." And he's like, "It'll take more than ten years." And then like, "Hey, are you Irish? Yeah, are you Irish?" And then they start talking about the old island back home, and like, it's is, is that something that happens with Irish people? Yeah, because Ireland's a very small island, so it you know it's like everyone everyone knows someone it's it's very friendly um so yeah and then um i guess there's there's more stuff that happens there's more hijinks he meets nora uh nora turns out to be there and they kind of are like going on dates but he's also subtly then dropping on her like oh by the way i'm engaged and she, I thought she played that scene pretty well when she had to be heartbroken. Good face acting from Ann Baxter during that scene where her she just uh, she just shuddered when when he uh, told her the truth and was like, "Well, have a nice life." Yeah, it was like the um, what's the movie that we just watched with uh, Liza Minnelli in it? Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. It was like Arthur, like he drops that bomb on her too, where he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm about to get engaged. And she played that scene super well. I thought too. Um, there was also a, <laughs> there's also a party going on a wedding that uh, Stephen kind of crashes. Although because it's an Irish wedding, you can't really crash it. Everyone's invited, I guess. Uh, but he, he meets Nora at this wedding and then there's these funny little bits with this fire sergeant. Cause we all, we know all well, the, the fire department is Irish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a fight in the Irish bar and then the band just kind of keeps playing over the fight. And then as it dies down, we get a nice little close up of the band. reminded me a little of I married a witch. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I liked that. I liked that part a lot. Um, I thought that it was was funny and cute. Oh, I also liked the bit earlier with the real manservant. And they yeah. they got some great <laughs> stunt casting with a guy who just looks so British. <laughs> so like when he shows up, I'm like, oh, that's a manservant. Right. <laughs> yeah. Instead of this leprechaun. He's very clearly a leprechaun. I also I, I liked how just the cartoon logic of both of these movies, but the cartoon logic of this guy just met a leprechaun who is a leprechaun. Like you wouldn't forget that one day later. He's like, who are you? Who are you? It's yeah. So I you just <laughs> met him. <laughs> both of these movies are, I basically they're both Looney Tunes cartoons. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, Leprechaun in the Hood, especially as especially. we will, uh, as we'll get into when we get into that one. I, man, I still think they just gave Horace all the best lines. Um, I he always had something great to say to Stephen about teaching him his life from his whole monologue about working for the master. Yeah, that was a freaking great because that like. In a movie like Pumpkinhead, where it's like you've got to have this like rhyme or fairy tale around the demon, and you've got to like have this cool little set piece where where a cool little villain has to come out and go like, "Oh, watch out, or you'll get your comeuppance." 
this is like the rom-com version of that where a guy comes out and goes like oh you'll learn your lesson that it's not all about the money and it's like a really heartfelt little moment my favorite thing though is when he's trying to talk about francis who admittedly is really hot like i can definitely see why you'd be into francis and he's like, yeah, no, she 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 thinks like a guy. She's got a man's courage. And then Horace says, my favorite line in the entire movie, is there anything wrong with a woman's courage and a woman's brain? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, he's He gives good advice. Uh, my favorite one was at the end of the movie. When he, uh, when he's, when the, the coin turns into a pebble and Horace says, I offered you gold. Tis not my fault. You prefer a pebble. So many mic drops from Horace. Yeah. That that's like a, that's a miracle on fourth street, 34th street kind of line. That's like a, that's a Mm -hmm. good holiday movie line. This is a great holiday movie. I liked it. And then in the end, when he has to give his big speech, you know, um, uh, just like uh, George Clooney at the end of uh, Up in the Air, he's got to give the big rom-com speech. And then we get a, a, I called it a mini Malkovich moment. (laughs) (laughs) Because just like in being John Malkovich, the whole crowd started turning into Horace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was very silly and fun. Very, very ambitious special effects because one of the characters stood up and they had to like, it looked like Tim and Eric or something. It looked like Tom goes to the mayor, like the head floated on the body. It was (laughs) very ambitious for the time. But yeah, totally in the moment. He sees Horace everywhere. He goes back. He marries Nora. uh, Kind of ending with great, you know, old school old school Hollywood tradition of great endings. We've got like the, I want a wife like Nora. There aren't any. And then he puts the bottle of milk out for his friend and the guy sneaks up behind him and he freaks out, does the old Irish want to fight kind of stance, which is what he did to the guy at the beginning of the movie. So it all comes together. It's a happy fairy tale. This was a charming movie. I really liked it. I really liked it too, but I mean, it, as I as I said over Messenger, it's really Horace that was just fucking adorable. Yeah, everything he did was adorable. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he had that screen presence. He he knew what he was doing. He he seemed authentic. He seemed like the real deal. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that that guy is a, a character actor who who does a lot of of little bit parts. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> so, unfortunately, we have to do it. We have to give someone in this movie the old, uh, the old in in the hood treatment. <laughs> so, who's um, it going to be? Who are, who are we going to to use an antiquated term? Put a cap in. Um, yes. <laughs> so many like I, I I was really surprised that Leprechaun in the Hood was made in 2000 because I was alive in 2000 and I don't know anybody who talked like that. I mean, like I mean, really anybody. Um, it was like I I would argue that Leprechaun in the Hood might be a period piece. Um, <laughs> but yeah. um, 
But yeah. yeah, who to kill in this movie? You know who I would kill? That little suck up uh, that uh, works for Lee J. Cobb, the one who's yeah. like, anything you need, DC. I got it, DC. And it's like, oh, God, you're so obviously just sucking up to the boss. Yeah, something bottom. Bottom. Yeah, Higgs bottom or something. Yeah, Higgs bottom. Um, yeah, I could see that. I I wanted to kill the, the restaurant owner who kept feeding him the stew. <laughs> because as that sounded like torture as someone who's who whose main reason for hating holidays is the fact that it's holidays are so food oriented and i have such a tiny tummy and a, a very picky palate it's like I, I i don't like people coming over to me and giving me food and telling me to eat more and telling me what to eat like i want to pick out my own food i want to pick my own portions don't be served. Don't pick for me. So I got to, you know what though? In all fairness, I wouldn't just kill him. I'd give him the saw, the jigsaw treatment. I'd give him some sort of stew trap where he'd have to like eat his way out if he wanted to live. You know? Diabolical. Yeah, We've never like talked a... about how we would kill people from the rock oh, on yeah. the floor. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so it's kind of like mercy killing. That's the like... only time I've said that. It'd be like Leprechaun riding in on a little tricycle and some rhyme about game. (laughs) (laughs) Leprechaun is my name. Do you want to play a game? (laughs) Yes, that's uh, why we we leave the Leprechauning to uh, Warwick Davis. (laughs) We (laughs) we don't have what it takes necessarily. Um, Yeah, no, I, 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 that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So I had a really, really tough time with this one. I I wrote a very short pitch for my horror movie. What about you? I went with the holiday tradition of combining oh. both movies into one mega movie. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. Well let, let let's get let's get through this right. this, piece, this piece of uh this pebble before we get to your gold coins. Um, Yeah, I realized by the end of my remix that I hadn't killed anyone. So (laughs) we we may have to think of people to kill. Um, All right, so I called this one My True Name. And it's about Nora. You know, she's a lonely single lady in Ireland. Not many men come around to her inn in the remote countryside. But then Stephen, that sexy, smoldery, Tyrone Powers-looking fella, his car breaks down, and now he has to spend the night. Um, And then also Stephen stumbles on the leprechaun. And nobody but Nora really humors him, and they grow closer. So kind of, you know, kind of like the first movie, um, and then, of course, Stephen has to return to America. Nora, there's nothing that she can do about it. Later that night, though, uh, Nora is looking out her window and she sees the leprechaun. She chases after him. She captures him. She makes him dig up the gold and she takes it. Horace, the leprechaun, is very sad, but he doesn't know that things are going to get much worse. Nora agrees to give him back his gold 
but only if he reveals his true name. And this horrifies Horus because if you know a fairy's true name, you can order them to do literally anything you want. Oh, snap. Uh, is that for real? It is. It is like, so leprechauns are, I guess, in the folklore, you know, mythology, they are fairies. So not all fairies are leprechauns, but all leprechauns are fairies. And part of fairy lore is that all fairies have a name that they give and then they have their true name. And if you know their true name, then you can say that name and get them to do anything. So a fairy never reveals their true name. I had no idea. I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, I figured I already did the wild hunt for leap year, which is another, you know, you know, Irish British folklore thing. So now we got to get with the fairies and their true name. Um, so, uh, he tells her his name is, uh, Horace Hornswoggle. (laughs) I made my, I made my guy's name Hornswoggle too. (laughs) Nice. Uh, and now Nora is basically Horace's master. She orders him to go with her to New York to make Stephen fall in love with her. The only problem, Stephen, he's already engaged to an heiress named Frances and working for her dad. Um, so now Horace and Nora need to get rid of them. Uh, Nora has Horace arrange magical accidents to bring her into contact with Stephen. And then she asks Horace, now this is specific, she asks him, take care of Francis in D.C. And he seems like he's complying, but he's also got that wily little twinkle in his eyes. Horace goes to Francis, disguised as a butler. She lets him inside. He reveals his true nature. She, of course, is freaked out. He explains, he tells her that he was sent by Nora to kill her. But what Nora doesn't realize is that she didn't. (laughs) Well, no, part of, so if you know the fairy's true name, you can tell them what to do. But also how you word your command is everything. So he said, she said, take care of him, meaning kill him. But he can choose to take that phrase literally. Um, And he's going to try to figure out a plan to get out of this bondage. Uh, And in exchange, he'll help Francis get Stephen. Uh, and then she asks Horace, well, what are you going to do with Nora if we, if we succeed with our plan? And Horace just says, leave her to me. Now, this is the part where I ran out of time and <laughs> I just was like, I don't know what to do. So let's just say that there's a very dramatic and cinematic plan that plays out. <laughs> like we get some great procedure porn. Yeah. Um, but the end result is Nora is bound, blindfolded and drugged. Um, and Stephen and Francis then, of course, ask Horace, are you going to kill her now? Like, you can't do that. Horace says no. And then that's when he cuts out Nora's tongue and she wakes up and screams. And Horace oh. then just says to her, you should have never made me give you my true name. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. That's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely Cut out watch that. Cut yeah, out the I would tongue. definitely yeah. watch that. So, uh, can a horror movie still be a horror movie? This is a question for you as a horror fan. Can it still be a horror movie if someone gets maimed but no one is killed? Yeah, I think so. 
I don't know off the top of my head, but there are, I mean, there are definitely horror movies with very low body counts or I'm sure there's some where no one dies. I, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that. I I was going to say misery, but I assume that Kathy Bates character has to die. Oh yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't yeah, I don't know any horror movies where there's no body count. Um, but maybe this can be the first. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I can see that. That kind of like everyone, every aspect of it is sort of like a be careful what you wish for. And then I don't know. Like it almost seems like it's going lighthearted, but then mm-hmm. he he just goes for the tongue rip and then yeah. Well, how else is he going to stop her from ordering him around? Right. That's great. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, so yeah it's a the, 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 the tongue rip would have to be, that would have to be like the most goriest part of the movie. All the other hijinks up until then would have to be more or less relatively lighthearted. Mm. Where it's like, you know, there's tension. It's like, oh no, she's losing her job. Or, oh no, this or that. But um yeah, the tongue rip. That's that's what people are going to be talking about. That's the word of mouth. <laughs> don't, don't oh, you could be like, don't say you know, don't say the name of the movie, and because the movie is his name, and then oh. that could be part of your marketing. <laughs> don't say it's that. Like, oh, now that you already said it, you're gonna die, so you might as well watch the movie. Right. No, you can't. You don't fuck with fairies. Like you know. Yeah. People think from Disney, from Peter Pan and Tinkerbell, that fairies are this cute little thing. But in all the real fairy stories, they're duplicitous, they're shifty, they will convince you something's gold when it's really just a useless rock. You know, you can't you can't trust fairy folk. Like uh, the Hellboy Tooth Fairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Shall we journey on to the hood? Let's go to the or, hood. Or the imaginary hood as it exists in this movie. Right. Uh, yeah, this is the, but this is the reason why I wanted to do a holiday episode was to watch one of the Leprechaun movies. Um, so you you let this one go to the people as far as which leprechaun movie you were going to watch. Did you anticipate that they would go for the hood? Uh honestly, I think In the Hood is probably the most famous of the leprechaun movies. I think I knew about In the Hood before I knew about Leprechaun. <laughs> um, yeah, I've only seen two leprechaun movies, In the Hood and then of course the original Leprechaun. Yeah, I can't remember if I've seen the original or not. I really can't remember. Um, but either way, I wanted to watch a Leprechaun movie. And so I thought, let's do a Leprechaun, throw it out to the people. This one came back. In Space was was in the running. but mm-hmm. Oddly enough, the Leprechaun <laughs> went to space before he went to the hood. Yeah. Uh, you think that that the hood would be the first stop before we went into space? I always imagined that space is the graveyard for most horror franchises. I don't know, Jason X. I thought that movie was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, at least Jason went to Manhattan though before he went to space. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know who the star of 
in space would be, but I'm assuming that Ice T was like he was the biggest the franchise could get. Period. <laughs> um, was he also in the space one? No, I don't think so. But that's what I'm saying is like, like you might as well go to space because once you get Ice T playing essentially Ice T, that is that that is the end of the franchise. <laughs> Even though right. there is another one after this. Yeah, um, I mean, they just kept going. Like, this right. is number five. Yeah, and there is a number six. Are they all Warwick Davis? Probably. I don't know. Um, yeah, I would say that Warwick Davis and Ice-T are, are probably the best actors in this movie. Oh, easily. <laughs> easily. Although I found Post pretty compelling. He seems so sweet. Yeah, I liked Butch. Butch reminded me a little bit of like um uh who's the actor who plays Doug Judy? <laughs> uh Craig Robinson. Yeah, Craig Robinson. Yeah, I like I like Craig like Robinson a, a lot. Yeah, he kind of had like a a Craig Robinson type vibe going on. So, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He was he was Craig Robinson and and Post was was our Lorenz Tate for the movie. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, this, this movie was totally Looney Tunes right from the jump. Um, it's just so, it's so stupid, but I, 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 I giggled at some parts, you know, it's, it's silly. It's very silly. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Go, yeah, you, I guess we can just start. <laughs> we I get. Just start. I, we just. We just have to get. We just have to get into yeah. it. This is a good, like maybe second, second or third draft of the movie. But this movie, I the, my mantra for for the movie was, this movie deserved better. <laughs> this movie deserved better, and then also I feel like there's so like there's still not enough horror movies and I would say not enough mainstream romance movies with black protagonists and you know this compared to Candyman I mean it Candyman is a masterpiece and this is kind of like um yeah I think the big thing here is that IMDB says that the budget for this movie was $1.4 million. How? That makes sense. Was it, was it all Warwick Davis? Like paying no, that, Warwick that, Davis? No, that makes sense. 1.4, because food alone is probably got to be at least half that budget. <laughs> it is expensive to feed a crew. But a movie like Hot Rod was $25 million. And a lot of that was probably for advertising, right? Because they had Lorne Michaels and stuff behind them. Hot Rod, which has become an internet underdog, an internet sensation, very memeable it's a movie. Funny, it's a really funny movie. I like it. I feel like anytime you, you see it on the internet, it's always got a crowd of people who are backing it up going, this movie makes me laugh every time I watch it. That movie only made $14 million at the box office, though. Ooh, so they didn't make back their budget at all. <laughs> at all. So Leprechaun in the Hood is a movie that deserved better. It deserved its, its whatever is the 
black version of Lonely Island. It like Ice T was perfectly cast in this movie, and he played it perfectly in this movie. He plays a cartoon of himself in the movie. He's this, and everything about this movie is great except for the fact that it was shot on a 1.4 million dollar budget with a crew that was just kind of like had that like it's our job instead of a hungry crew like lonely island you know what i mean like the the people in lonely island they they had to prove themselves that established their careers you know it it made them go from just snl writers to hollywood stars and that's what this movie needed. <laughs> this movie needed some people who could put some oomph behind it and it needed some money. Yeah. I mean, the money, the money problem is really at the root of it all. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, more money, more problems. So should we get into the summary? Let's do it. Okay. So we start off in the 1970s Motown era and uh, Mac Daddy, played by Ice-T, breaks through a wall and comes in wearing the worst wig I've seen since Halle Berry's in the call. Uh, actually, I would say the wig uh, that Halle Berry wears um, is much better. But yeah, oh my God, the wig that they put on Ice-T here was pretty bad. I stand um, by Halle Berry's wig in the call. I know I defended it in the episode, but I stand by that wig. I thought her hair was cute in that movie. And it was cute in a way that made her seem unassuming, like, oh, she's just someone who answers the phones. But then it's like, no, she's the badass who saves the day. I respect your opinion on that. And Mm -hmm. I think you should keep defending the wig, especially since it has its own Twitter account. We should start following them. Uh... Uh, But yeah, (laughs) immediately, just from the way that this movie is done, immediately... Uh, the way he pops his head in with that wig. It is a cartoon. We are immediately in Looney Tunes land. Roger Mm -hmm. Rabbit is filming right down the street. This is wacky. I was like, oh my God, how could this movie not, like, like, I know people shit on this movie, but this movie clearly has a sense of humor about itself. It clearly is in on the joke. I was like, how? How could they possibly, like, how could this movie possibly go downhill, you know? And, oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> well, they, what, the so. problem was that they never they never kept up with the pure zaniness. Like, if, if it was at the level of zaniness in the first scene, as, it, as in every scene, this would have been a totally different movie. That yeah. would have been pretty funny. You know how in Crank... They should have given the Waynes brothers this movie. Yeah, you know how in Crank, after he gets injected, which is the first scene of the movie, the rest of the movie is just like... "Ah!" Because it has to be or it will die. That's what this movie needed to be. (laughs) Yeah, no, we needed some Crank. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, Ice-T can't carry this entire movie on his shoulders and neither can Warwick Davis. They they just, you know, they're doing the best that they can. Um, but uh, they, him, Mac Daddy and his, uh, his pal Slug, apparently is his name. Uh, they find the petrified statue of the leprechaun uh, with his gold. Uh, and I guess 
the necklace that the leprechaun wears, the chain that he has is what makes him petrified. Mac Daddy seems to already know that the flute has magical properties. <laughs> like the only intro we got in this movie was almost like a Tales from the Crypt, Crypt Keeper yeah. style intro where where I was like, okay, I guess the leprechaun is telling us the story. Um, and then we go right into the, the break-in. Um, so anyways, Mac Daddy takes the flute uh, and Slug takes the necklace off of the leprechaun, unfreezing him. Uh, the leprechaun stabs Slug with his comb. Uh, and also Mac Daddy and him then get into a fight. Uh, Mac Daddy is too smart for the leprechaun. He very ingeniously bursts a pipe, hits him with like hot hot steam and then i think he like jumps on a board or something or steps on a board and it causes the necklace to fly into the air and then onto the neck of the leprechaun but before he does this he um he he has this afro this wig that has the same physics as mary poppins carpet bag <laughs> Because first he pulls out a knife, and then I think he pulls a gun out of his hair, and then he pulls a baseball bat out of there. Um, and, of course, none of this works on the leprechaun until he does the uh, rake step. I mean, like, in all fairness, when when um, Antonio Banderas and Robert Rodriguez do it in Desperado, right, at the beginning of Desperado, he walks in and he shoots up the place. And then he slicks back his hair. And when he pulls his hand out, he's got a big-ass gun. And it's like, whoa, badass. So, like, in this movie, like, yeah, he's got the hair full of stuff. And I like how he goes back to it when it's empty. And he's like, I'm all out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Like, yeah. if, we, if we had Mary Poppins physics through the whole movie, I right. would have loved it. But More frying you, pans to the faces. Yeah, you only get this moment, and then of course the moment later where the leprechaun sits down to eat with Post's mom because she's a mom, right. and he has to do what she tells him to do, no matter what. Um, but but yeah, it's just it's it's purely zany. Anyways, fast forward to quote unquote modern day LA, but more like LA in nineteen ninety. It's like LA, like it. it like their rap is so like it's like Sugar Hill Gang rap in the beginning. It's the it doesn't white make people version of what black culture was ten years prior. Well, that's not necessarily <laughs> true. Actually, apparently, Post, the actor who played Post, wrote all the rhymes and lyrics for this movie. So well, he didn't have that. to. He didn't have to do this thing where like he has to make their first raps bad. And they are really bad. Um, and they feel like like it's it's not with the times, the current the, times. Yeah, the songs were done on purpose. So when even yeah. though some of the songs are cringy, they're they're cringy because that's how they're supposed to be. So Right, I, yeah. Yeah. There it's also just not it's not as catchy as, you know, something like more spoof heavy. Yeah, it's just not, yeah, if it were more spoofy, then it, it could be so much funnier. Like, yeah, I, I, again, like, I feel like they could have been so much campier and so much crazier than they were. 
Um, But I mean, who knows? I mean, just, yeah, so much, so much probably has to do with lack of budget. $1.4 million. (laughs) It's not a lot of money to make a movie like this. I didn't even realize that. I, you know, I have no concept of the cost that it takes to actually make a movie. I just know that if you don't make your budget back, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we get to semi-modern day. We've got three vengeful aspiring rappers by the name of Postmaster P, Stray Bullet, and Butch. Uh, and you know, post is trying to do this whole positivity rap thing and it's just not working. And, you know, I really feel for the guy, this is in 2000 and, uh, I recently rewatched love and basketball and I was looking up the sort of history of the movie. Apparently Gina Prince Blythewood, when she tried to market it to studios, every single one of them rejected her because they said it was too soft. Like at that time, the major studios didn't want to make a movie with black protagonists that wasn't hard, like Menace to Society or Juice or something like that. Um, So this there is this kind of I, I do think that there's something interesting to be said about how there's this rejection of this idea of positivity and softness as, you know, portrayed by a black protagonist. But Post is that guy. One of the guys who wrote this movie went on to write for Blackish and that whole group of. Did Kenya Barris write this movie? Because that would say a lot. <laughs> no, he was I, the person was just a writer. It looks like, um, but like, yeah, this movie is good. This is a good movie. It deserved better. <laughs> Yeah, like the setup, the setup is good. You know, you've right. got, and and like, I think that the friendship between the three friends is really solid. And that's yeah. actually what I ended up focusing on for my remix. But also, it's like, a, it's like a fairy tale. It's, yeah, he's trying to be positive, And then the more he goes down the path of not positivity, the more he goes down the life of temptation, the more he gets punished by the leprechaun. That's a horror movie. That's exactly what a horror movie is. This is a good movie. But then, but then we had no money. We had no money. There's a scene. It's got to be at this point in the movie some somewhere where all three of the actors, the main lead actors, are up on a roof talking about how they're right. not going to have enough money to go to Vegas and how they're going to have to break up the band or something, I guess. But I just – it's so painfully green screen. And it hurt to watch the scene. Like it felt so ugly and it felt so stiff and it just, the, the shadows were all over the place. And like, I could just feel it deep down, you know, like, because I knew what to look for, I could find specifics, but the, the roof scene is just ugly. And it just goes to show like, yeah, when you've got no money, then this is what happens. This this is you you lose out on <laughs> chemistry. You yeah. lose out on um, watchability. You just it's an ugly scene, and it did. I I didn't notice that. What I noticed was this weird thing where, like, as Post was walking up to them, they had to do this dissolve. Instead of him like walking forward normally, they had to 
dissolve him forward, which was a really weird thing. And I guess they must have done that because of the green screen. They, yeah, they probably, that was probably a scene that was written after. So they had to, they had to edit footage to transition us there. And then, yeah, it was probably like a pickup shoot, right? Where that scene was written after they shot the actual movie. So they couldn't go anywhere on location. So they were just like, just go in the back and shoot this dialogue. Like, yeah, these are how bad movies get made. And sometimes like if you're a Tim and Eric, you can embrace the camp. You can know how to like this movie, unfortunately just doesn't have a lot of style and it, it needed, (laughs) it needed some kind of style. This movie is shot like it's done as a job. And that's right. And and for the people who did it, it almost certainly was. But I think you are right that the story, the like the the center, the the Tootsie Roll core is definitely there. Yeah. Um, But so they they're really desperate (laughs) and they decide to rob Mac Daddy, um, especially after he decides he doesn't want to give them a record deal. So, you know what? Fuck them. Um, anyways, everything goes terribly wrong because Mac Daddy walks in on the robbery and then Post, who didn't even want to be there, <laughs> is the one who shoots Mac to save his friends. Uh, and then also he manages to get the, uh, the all important whistle, the, uh, the flute, the golden magic flute. And then Butch, of course, releases the leprechaun by removing the amulet. I like uh, how Butch has that little gimmick of he's always in the back messing with stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, yeah, that, it's a that's cool, his thing. That's his thing. He's in the back messing with stuff. Well, he's the, I mean, they call all three of them rappers, but it's really, it's Stray and it's Posed, who are the rappers. And then Butch is their DJ, you know? Yeah. And he's like a science um, guy. He likes to figure things out. Yeah, so he likes, I, I he like likes touching and meddling. So, so of course he he meddles with it, um, yeah. and now now we've got the leprechaun back. They fire at him, and then they run away. Um, and then um, let's see, um, Mac Daddy apparently lives because of the gold medallion he was wearing around his neck. Um, and then he runs away from the leprechaun. Um, I think that the scenes between Mac and the leprechaun are probably the best ones just because they're so loony. Yeah. Um, all right. So then yeah, it's Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Very, very it's much. Classic. It's... And, and leprechaun pulls a, cla- a Bugs Bunny classic by getting into sexy drag to seduce yeah. his victims. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so Mac Daddy heads over to the bar, um, and then in the bathroom, he's confronted by the leprechaun, but then they share a joint, um, and, uh, the leprechaun likes weed. He, you know, for hundreds, thousands of years, he's been drinking. Nobody ever handed him a joint before now. This is, this is a revelation, um so now yeah he's mischievous he likes he likes getting into trouble of all kinds he really does um yeah so he he then takes max finger and ice t is mad about it but it's more like he's frustrated and annoyed right (laughs) his finger was taken instead of like this is horrifying 
Um, then the leprechaun kills the bartender and takes three waitresses uh, and turns them into his quote unquote zombie fly girls. Uh, and they do his bidding. Um, anyway, yeah, they're like the juggies from the man show. Um, anyway, <laughs> the following day, the three of them go to sell their uh, stolen goods to the pawn shop uh, so that they can get into the music competition. Uh, Post uses the flute in the pawn shop and he sees everyone just completely stop what they're doing and look at him. Uh, also, the leprechaun can sense when the flute is being used and uses it to track the three of them. So then later that night, uh, he kills Jackie D, the uh, the owner of the pawn shop, um, right. and he does it in the aforementioned Bugs Bunny drag method. What I think is weird about that scene is Jackie D sees this woman and he's like jackie c is that you <laughs> that was great wait so is is this in drag or is this one of the zombie fly honeys i don't know if this is a zombie fly girl or not yeah. or if this is his girlfriend from the dead uh right you know it's like an it's an illusion my first thought was drag but then i like later when he summons the the zombie girls again i was like oh i think that was who was there earlier but yeah yeah and then also um the leprechaun kills chow who didn't you know i mean chow is definitely that stereotype of the asian store owner who's racist to black people but but chow's also kind of a fun guy you know he told him he's like i know moves so yeah. why, why why does chow have to die um but he did for the for the horror so then mac daddy confronts the trio at a party he orders them to give the flute back and then they don't want to so then they run away um oh wait hold on did they did they shoot at him again, or did they just run away? And they escape, yeah. Somehow. Any, anyways, they they escape, and then Post reveals he's got the flute and shows that it's um you know it's got it's got magical powers. Um, and then they head over to pay to pay to stay at the apartment of this trans woman. Uh, and then they play the flute there, which causes the leprechaun to arrive. He kills Fontaine. Uh, and then... Why? Why does he kill her? I don't get it. I don't know. That whole scene was super unnecessary and borderline... Well, not borderline. It It is a very offensive scene. Like, So he kills Jackie D, I get, because Jackie D's obviously got some shady stuff going on with his pawn shop. He kills Well, he Chow. had the gold. Right. And he kills Chow, right? Didn't they pay Chow with some of the money that they have from the yes. so like, I get it. There's there's a, a running thing of like these people kinda had it coming. They kinda lived this skeezy life. Uh but when he kills her, like, man, come on. The movie's better than this. <laughs> yeah, she didn't she didn't need that yeah. treatment at all. Um so yeah, completely unnecessary killing. Um, anyway, so Post, Stray, and Butch 
They try to figure out what to do. And then Butch, because he's the smart guy, comes up with this idea of them setting, uh, I think they take like an electric blanket and then they put gel on it and then they're going to plug it in and they're going to set them on fire. And yeah. and it works wonderfully. It would have been uh, cool if he if this was like a rap, if he rapped making a bomb. Because he could have been like, that's how I got through chemistry class with Mrs. That Johnson. That does not make sense, Brad. Yeah. That is the whitest thing you've said. No. He should have rapped. He should have science rapped. There is no reason for him to rap in that scene. Because he's a rapper. People who rap. They do. They, they aren't just rapping at home over nothing. Yeah. When you make your flashcards. What do you think flashcards are? It's just a bunch of rhyming words you you, you hold up a, a card and then on the back is all the words that rhyme with it <laughs> i don't know if rappers have flashcards, but i, I highly doubt some it. of them do <laughs> the ones who are trying really hard rappers chime in um any anyway you know rap no rap they succeed and then they say they need sanctuary. I don't know if they had been watching the Hunchback of yeah. Notre Dame and they're like sanctuary. That's what I got to like. I say the word sanctuary and then in they God's have, house, we're yeah. safe. And it's man, like saying a shield when you're playing tag or something. Poor Reverend Hampson. He has no oh, yeah. idea what he's in for, but they stay at the local church. He makes a deal that if they perform for his congregation, um, they can continue to use the church as their sanctuary. Um, at first, it seems to be going really badly, really badly. They're bombing. Um, yeah, and it's it takes a lot to get people out of God's house, um, but, but they succeeded. And so then Post has to use the magic flute. Suddenly, they're really good at rapping, and they just, you know, they kill it. Um, and they love it. Now then, afterwards, um, let's see, Mac comes to the church, uh, and he pursues them through the building. Leprechaun also arrives, kills Mac's bodyguard. We get a nice oh, looking through the, the... the fantastic Leprechaun reveal when it goes them in the closet or whatever, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're like, they're like bumping hands or holding hands or something. And then there's the leprechaun and then they all scream on the floor. Ugh. That's very Looney Tunes. Yeah. Classic Scooby-Doo. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a Scooby move to be <laughs> sure. Um, and you know, they, they, we get a little peekaboo moment where uh leprechaun looks through the hole that he put in the bodyguard's body. And then mech, does what he does best, which is run away. Um, mm-hmm. And then the trio, they're in the reverend's office while the leprechaun is trying to break down the door. They wheel out a wrought iron safe <laughs> and open that, getting the leprechaun to stumble into the safe, rendering him powerless. This is also checks out with fairy lore. One of the things is that leprechauns and fairies in general hate iron iron is poisonous to fairies um so that that's why he can't do anything in the iron safe um 
And then, uh, unfortunately for them, they decide, like, I love how they're like, yeah, we got the leprechaun in the safe. Now we're going to Vegas, Reverend. And you know what? Just, you know, don't let him out of the safe. Don't and the Reverend's it. like, uh, all my money's in there. I'm going to need to get it eventually. But they, they still are like, bye. Um, <laughs> and then... Once they leave, the leprechaun is like, zombie fly girls, come to me. And they do. And they kill Reverend Hampson and release him from the safe. Uh, and then the leprechaun manages to confront the three of them after they've had an amazing set. Like they, they went on out there and they did an awesome. They're just riding on a high. Yeah, but- it's American Idol. They got to go to Vegas. They got to continue in the show. They got to right. advance. Yeah, no, they got they got to advance, but it doesn't matter because they have the leprechaun's flute. And then the leprechaun gets uh, gets straight to point his gun at Butch and then Post gives the flute to the leprechaun. uh, And I I don't know, like maybe it's because. So once the leprechaun goes to leave. Yeah, once. Once uh, Leprechaun goes to leave, Post makes a move like, actually, I am going to just take it from you. Like, he makes a move like, I'm going to take it back. And so Leprechaun makes uh, the friend put the gun under his own chin. And then the movie goes there. Right. Oh, I forgot that there was an entire sequence where they need to get the Leprechaun stoned. Um, and they have to dress up like women, or or does that happen? That after? happens after, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm this movie like <laughs> so much happens in a hundred minutes, but like none of like only half of it should have stayed in the movie. Right, I agree, I agree. Oh God. Anyways, so Stray is dead now. Post yeah, stray bullet. In, yeah, it, it became it became his uh, it became his destiny. So then Post and Butch, they've got to avenge straight. They got to get the flute back. Butch finds out that the leprechaun is now living at the bar. And he's. Well, it almost. Is it just me or does it almost seem like they're not even going back to avenge their friend? They're just going back to get the flute so that they can be successful so that so that their friend didn't die in vain. Right, yeah, that that which, seems which kind be of is like a really shitty thing to do. But at the same time, this is a morality tale, so the fact that he kind of gets his comeuppance in the end, it kind of makes it okay for him to have shitty motivations. Because... But also, don't you think Stray would have wanted them to go back? Oh, uh, maybe, <laughs> probably. I'm, but he, but he did it for the wrong reasons. That was like that was like a side reason. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now that, that, but yeah, and so then yeah, uh, I love it when Butch lays down the plan, which is we're gonna fucking give him this weed, which is a half four leaf clover, and he's gonna lose his powers, and we're gonna do it by dressing up in drag. And he goes, "That's a pretty good plan." And I was like, "Yeah, that is a pretty good plan." It's... It was a great plan <laughs> until well, okay. First of all. Did they really need to get into drag? 
I thought it was great how they were all commenting on post for being like, dude, you look really good. <laughs> Everyone told him how great he looked. Michelle Visage would have read both of them to filth. No, especially Butch, because he didn't even bother to shave. I thought that was great. It's a cartoon. Neither does Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny doesn't shave. Yeah, no, I, I just, that's I, why, I don't know. I don't that's know that Fontaine, it was totally necessary. If Fontaine didn't die, if Fontaine, like... If Fontaine helped them get yeah. into drag, that would you know have been I mean? so much better. Because also when Fontaine says at one of the point at one point she says, you know the drill. If you want to stay over, I need my money. Because she doesn't care what they do at her place. She wants the money. They pay her for her time. So she says, you know the drill. So I got the impression that at least one of them had gone to see Fontaine before. And by the you know, so maybe like, yeah, I just, if Fontaine didn't die, if she helped them gotten dragon stuff, that would have been a much better, healthier, positive image of trans stuff in horror movies <laughs> without, right. but also the like trans person fun. not dying. Yeah. <laughs> but also having fun with it and going like, yeah, he's a leprechaun. He's a oh, horny no. bastard. He doesn't. Yeah, no, it just, that whole, that whole sequence would have been way better if Fontaine had helped and, and Fontaine definitely would have helped. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so they, they go to the bar in drag. They get the zombie fly girls high they release them from the spell. Um, they get to the leprechaun. They share the joint laced with a four-leaf clover, <laughs> which, you know, gets him so high he gets on he goes unconscious. They return the amulet to him, freezing him. Um, and then uh, oh wait, no. That's not sorry, I keep I keep <laughs> skipping ahead. <laughs> Yeah, they then they get the flute. They go downstairs, but then Butch is killed by Mac, and then Mac offers an alliance to Post, but Post doesn't want anything to do with that. The Leprechaun is back. The Leprechaun kills Mac, finally exacting his revenge. Um, and then there's a final showdown with Post over the flute. Post seems like he's outsmarted the leprechaun. And then we see the amulet fly in the air, but then it just cuts to the future. So we don't really know exactly what happened. My theory is that if the amulet is on somebody else's neck, then maybe that means that that he could control them. Yeah, I think we get yeah we get the impression that he's now that uh, Post got what he wanted. He he got rich and famous. He's a super awesome mega rapper, but he, now he's being controlled by the Leprechaun, and so it's kind of like a be careful what you wish for. So now his life is is great, but it's also not great because he has to live. He has to forever live with the guilt that he got all of his friends killed and so yeah it's it's a fairy tale ending it is no it's a it's a morality tale um just like you said so now we gotta ask the question who were you crushing on in this movie i liked butch Mm -hmm. yeah for all the reasons that i've mentioned I like that he's just the guy who he he advances the plot, but he does it in a fun way. 
that's like not what you would expect of that kind of character. Um, yeah, and, and he's fun. He's fun. Yeah, and he was like the one death that was really, you know, in a, in a horror movie, you, it's nice to be able to root for a lot of the deaths. But then there's also that one person who dies where you're like, oh, but I wanted them to live. So he's he's that friend. And that's nice. Yeah, no, that that definitely tracks. How about you? Who are you crushing on? I think for me, it, it's it has to be post. I mean, I I, yeah. I appreciate the work that Warwick Davis and Ice-T are doing together. I felt like as scene partners, they were the best. Um, but I really thought Post was sweet, and I liked that he initially wanted to be somebody with a positive message. I mean, his raps were garbage, but um, he he had a good message and a good heart. I agree, yeah. And Warwick Davis and Ice-T, those are not movie crushes. Those are like movie one-night stands. <laughs> 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 Like I, I, I could only handle them for one night and then they, they would move on. They, they can't be tied down to one person. I think that they, well, I don't know, at least for ice tea, he's famously in a long, or I don't know if he and Coco are still together, but they were together for a long time. So, since you have the mega holiday special, uh, I will go ahead and I will give you my my little rom-com. I can't now, wait. Once again, I, I got to a certain point and I was like, I don't know what to do here. We'll, we'll just, so w- when we get there, we get there. But I, I had a lot of fun with the setup for this one. Um, and... I will admit that it's loosely ripped off from some books by this really good author, Holly Black, who I would highly recommend if you are looking into great fantasy about fairies being horrible. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I decided to call this one Luck and Charm. So Post, Stray, and Butch are in a hip-hop group together, and they're scrambling to get their big break, but, you know, the rap isn't that great. Uh, Post is their best MC, but lately he's been, you know, kind of acting weird. He's been a little off. Uh, and things are starting to happen to him that he can't explain. Supernatural things, like his skin turns green temporarily, or um, an object transforms in his hands into another object. Like maybe he's holding a pebble and it turns into a gold doubloon or something. Uh, or if he looks at his friends a certain way, it causes them to go in a trance. Uh, or maybe he starts seeing odd features on certain other people, like horns and tails and claws. And then one day he's at this convenience store and Mr. Chow, the owner, hisses the word changeling at him. Uh-oh. <laughs> always gotta be one person right (laughs) um and post doesn't understand what the hell is going on but then that night things really get weird because stray has decided that they need to steal from this local pimp mac daddy to get some money and you know butch is in but post initially wasn't but with everything going on in his life he just can't be by himself so he just decides he he has to go with them anyway and of course 
Everything goes wrong. Mac comes back when they're robbing the place and they end up in a shootout. And then post, because we're in like this crazy high pressure situation, suddenly all the weird things that were happening little by little before in the movie start happening at the same time and he transforms. His skin turns green, his fingernails turn black and sharp, the irises of his eyes turn golden, uh, and everybody's like, what the fuck? What's going on? Uh, and then post glamours Mac into letting them go. So just like how vampires have the ability to glamour people, fairies can do essentially the same thing. Uh, and so Butch and Stray throw like a big hoodie over post. So it can be kind of E.T. style where they're yeah. they're trying to hide post because even though he looks totally different, he's still their friend and, and right. they want to help him. Uh, and Post tells him, we got to get Mr. Chow. Uh, so they, they get to Mr. Chow. Chow is oddly not at all surprised to see Post in his true form. And he says something like, ah, I see you're a leprechaun. Uh, and then yeah, he's got this- some mogwai out in the back. <laughs> right, right. You know, or, or like, you know, Chow, Chow just knows things. Knows. Um, or maybe Chow is a fairy himself. I, I didn't decide what Chow should be. Um, but then we can get a, here's a trailer snippet. Butch says leprechaun, he's six two or like something like that. Uh, and then maybe stray can be like, so where's the gold? Um, so, uh, post, he's just super shocked. He's traumatized. He doesn't know what to say. The actor who played post AT Montgomery is really good at looking shocked, surprised, and sad. Um, that, that was probably his best acting. Um, so then Chow explains further that Post is clearly a changeling. Post is like, well, what does that mean? Is the real Post somewhere else? And Chow says, yeah, he's probably in fairyland if he isn't dead. Uh, and so Butch and Stray, they know what kind of person Post is. So as soon as they hear what Chow says, they look at Post and they're like, no, Post, no. But that's when Post says to them, I've got to bring him back. It's what mom would want, you know, because Post loves his mom. That's one of the things that we do get from the movie is he really loves his mom. And if he knew that he were a changeling and the real Post were out there, he'd want to get him. Um, So, of course, Butch and Stray are like, well, we've got to go with you. Uh, and then they ask Chow how to get there. He takes them to the back of the store and he draws a door on the wall, Beetlejuice style, uh, with a piece of chalk and then pushes it inward and in opens Fairyland. And then he gives the chalk to Post and says, good luck, you're gonna need it. So then Fairyland seems like an amazing place for three seconds. Uh, <laughs> Like I, I think sure. you could get a really you could get a really great gag where right. like they get in and they're like, wow. Right. And then within the first three seconds, something fucked up happens. It's like you're uh, it's like when you step into a bright room and at first it's really bright, but then your eyes adjust and you can see how dirty it is or something. Like yeah, they step through the magical door, but all the magicalness wears off. Yeah, right. Like but but this is more specifically cruel because right. those Post sees these fairy creatures partying and they're laughing at a human dressed in rags 
eating what looks oh. like garbage. And Post is so disturbed because when when Butch and Stray see the same exact thing, they're like, oh my God, what an incredible feast. And then they start joining the human and eating trash as well while all the fairies laugh at it. Because, of course, when you're a duplicitous magical creature, tricking humans is the height of entertainment. Right. Um, and then they don't have TV in Fairyland. Um, so then Post tries to take them away, but then he draws attention to himself. They're all like, what's this new leprechaun doing here? We don't know you. But before they can get too suspicious, a pixie steps out from the crowd and she claims that, oh, they're with me. Uh, and she's like, oh, this is my friend from Ironside, which is what they call the, you know, the human world. So she gets them away. She tells them her name is Moth and asks, what the hell are you guys doing here? It's really incredibly dangerous for you to be here. Post explains that they've come to get the human that he was exchanged with. Moth tells them, oh my God, that is way too dangerous. You're never going to succeed. Uh, and then, of course, Post is the hero, so he has to say, but I'm going to try anyway. Yeah. And, you know, that is something that appeals to a little female pixie like Moth. Maybe she's into that. So now here's where we get into just like here's where it could go after after I've done some nice setup, which yeah, is you Moth- wrote a Pixar movie. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah, they yeah. got to go on a magical journey. So. So Moth is the the guide to Fairyland to the other three guys. And then while keeping them safe, maybe she's also teaching Post a little something about what it means to be a leprechaun and to be a fairy. And they fall in love with each other. We'll say that we have some obstacles in the form of the queen of fairies. Maybe she doesn't want to give up her little kidnapped humans Maybe Post has to make a fairy bargain, and we all know fairy bargains are bad. Uh, Moth has to figure out how to save him. So I think that an an appropriate third act for this movie would be her rescuing him, because he's the one who doesn't know anything about this world, and he's the one who's going to get easily tricked because he has a pure heart. So it's going to take somebody else to save him. Uh, and then also, I think that it would be cute if at some point Moth revealed that she also was a changeling, um, but that she wasn't able to save her human. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why she's so cynical about Post's mission, because she yeah. failed to do the same thing. But, you know, of course, it's something that brings them together and makes them all kissy kissy. Uh, and maybe he vows to bring her back to Ironside. Uh, and then, of course, like all movies where people go to a different world, like Stargate, one person has to decide that they want to stay. And to me, the person is clearly Butch. Yeah. Butch is going to be the one who falls in love with Fairyland and is like, screw it. I, I belong here. Um, this is this is my place. Um, so of course, Butch stays behind, Moth, Post, Stray, and then the real Post. Uh, and because it's Fairyland, we'll say that he's a little younger than the actual Post because time is different there. Sure. So he looks, he looks like him, but as a young, younger kid. And then you can have him giving himself advice. Oh, that's a mm-hmm. great scene. 
giving the, advice about how to be in the real world. Yeah, like giving advice to your younger self. Like if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing. But it's like very, you know, it's like a riddle, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I like that. That could be a very heartwarming Pixar moment. Yeah. Uh, and then so we can end on an epilogue where it's Post and Moth and kind of human forms visiting with his mom and revealing the real Post. And maybe Post isn't sure if his mom is still going to accept him knowing that he's a changeling. And not only does she still love him, she loves him even more because he brought their yeah. his brother back. Yeah, this is a great movie. <laughs> I like it. Luck and charm. It's got a Luck cute and charm. Name. It's yeah, I like it. The the one thing uh in in addition to your she needs to save him moment is like yeah, he they they have to come at a at a impasse, right? Where like maybe he mm-hmm. wants to do something and she says no, we have to do this and then he leaves and she leaves on their own separate ways and then she realizes, "Oh, mm-hmm. like oh wait, he's going to walk into a trap. I have to go." Like so even though they're mad at each other, she has to go back and save him and like yeah. I like that. Yeah, I I like the big conflict in a romance is so hard to get right. A lot of times people get it wrong and then make characters look really stupid because it's like, now I have to be in a conflict with you. Like in, uh, I know you're thinking of uh, Notting Hill. I can oh, see yeah, it on yeah, yeah. I can see the Notting Hill on your face. No, I was thinking of the good version. Did you ever see Brother Solomon? With, no. With Will Forte and Will Arnett? They play two like brothers. Yeah, they play two brothers who are complete nerds and like, awkward human beings like awkward to the max they're snl characters like they grew up around no one so they don't know how to act around people so they're just two weirdos just complete weirdos and their dad has like a heart attack and goes into a coma and the doctor tells him hey usually if someone has something to live for like a baby on the way like a grandson they they pull out of the coma so will forte and will arnett who are two men who are terrible with ladies because they're so incredibly awkward have to try to have a baby and at the end of the movie the two brothers have this really big fight and then they do a little montage where they're alone and then they come right back together and their fight is great and then they're coming back together scene is great because it's a comedy and they like they just play it up so much but yeah step brothers step brothers did a really great version of that too I can't remember that one. I've only seen that one once. But Brother Solomon, I've seen like, I put it up there with Hot Rod in terms of underrated awesomeness. Noted. It's really, I love Will Forte. I love him so much. (laughs) Yeah, directed by Bob Odenkirk. Oh, well, I love Bob Odenkirk too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that sounds great. So I'm ready. I'm ready for the holiday special. Give it to me. Uh, I don't have a name for mine, so you're 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 killing it with the names on this episode. Uh, we'll we'll have to come up with something. But mine is gonna be we start out with a sort of fairy tale, whatever is the Irish version of like Miyazaki. We start out with this fairy tale rendition of this man who finds this pot of gold 
and he melts the pot into five trinkets into a, a pen, a ring, a belt buckle, glasses, and then we'll say something like a medallion, right? And then he gives those items out to the people that he loves in hopes that they will bring them luck. And so he gives the pen to his boss, the ring to his wife, the belt buckle to his friend, and the glasses to a family member, like a dad or mom or, or grandfather or whatever. And then, you know, we, it doesn't show where he gives, who he gives the medallion to. But then we get all of that in a very Miyazaki, Irish Miyazaki way. And then we cut to a courtroom where Horace is a lawyer and he's defending this character who is on trial. And the character is the person who stole the gold. Right. (gasps) And so then we get the same retelling of the story about a man who steals gold, melts it down, pen to boss, ring to wife, belt buckle to friend, glasses to family member, and the medallion goes to, we don't know. But now it's done in more of a, a horror animated style. So Rashomon effect. So yeah. So we have these two different story setups, the same setup, but two different genres, two different tones. One's whimsical and the other is very gruesome. And so now we have to put the characters on trial. We have to see what the what the boss has done with the pen. We have to see what the wife has done with the ring. And we have to put these characters on trial. And uh, Hornswoggle is who I called the bad the bad leprechaun. He's the he's the prosecutor. He he's trying to condemn these people for having these items whereas horace is trying to save these people and showing all the good that they did with these items is this a leprechaun court yeah so they're in leprechaun court and they're deciding the fates of these people who have their gold and so we assume the point of view of the jury and then what we get are we get two different sides of each part of the story so when when uh horace talks about the boss he does it in a very like devil wears prada way where it's kind of like a rom-com kind of the mean boss but who's really nice and then when hornswoggle talks about him it's like an american psycho where it's like this fucking workplace hellscape right when we go to the wife Horace talks about it in a very enchanted way. So it's like Amy Adams and enchanted and it's like a, a live action fairy tale. When Hornswoggle talks about the wife, it's like gone girl. <laughs> it is very brutal. And then when uh, we talk about the friend, Horace talks about it in a very bromance way. So we can do like a 40 year old virgin or like a Judd Apatow bromance movie. Uh, when Hornswoggle talks about it, it's very much like The Descent, where a group of friends goes down into hell. Uh, Horace talks about the family member in a very like wet, hot American summer way, where it's kind of like all inside jokes. Like, you know, wet, hot is a very inside jokey kind of movie. So that's how he talks about the family member. Hornswoggle talks about it like Pumpkinhead, which is a family member movie about family members summoning demons to get revenge for each other. 
So very horror oriented. Finally, when we talk about the medallion, we'll do some kind of trick where we see we see this story about the medallion and it turns out that our main person on trial has kept it. And so we we get this very Kumail Nanjiani kind of rom-com story where it's very personal. It's centered on, on themselves in this kind of inward journey. Uh, and then when Hornswoggle talks about it, it's very Nightmare on Elm Street. So like we go into their nightmares to see, you know, what, what happened. And then what we get to do is we get to play the jury. And so if you're in the movie theater or something, we'll have special technology. Cause if you remember from my Thanksgiving one, we had a choose your own adventure set up here. We're going to have a jury system set up where we get to decide if the person gets the happy ending or the bad ending. Oh, kind of like Clue with the multiple endings. Yeah. And so, like, you can maybe vote on your little app or something. And so when you go into the theaters, you can, like, some people will be, like, trolly, right? Like, evil leprechaun. Like, ah, I'm just doing it just to fuck them. Ha, ha, ha. And some of them will be like, no, I actually really like that story. I want to see those characters be happy. Uh, And then at the end, we get this sort of meta conversation type between Hornswoggle and Horace where it's like before sunset or something and they kind of comment on the nature of man and they say something really profound but they say it in a very Irish light-hearted way so it's very horns very much like a you know I you're the one who took the gold you really wanted a pebble they end it with something very Kind of, kind of like Casablanca when yeah. Humphrey Bogart and the cop guy are like, "Ooh, let's be friends." Yeah, that's exactly what they said. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, I know, no. I know. <laughs> the famous, the famous line <laughs> was, "Ooh, let's be friends." <laughs> now make them kiss. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the. I don't know what a what a good name would be. Maybe like End of the Rainbow or something. All the colors of the rainbow, rainbow well, gold. You made me think of witness for the prosecution, so I'd want to make some some uh, some link between leprechauns and legal jargon. Sure. Um, I think that leprechaun court is too on the nose. <laughs> I think so too, but. But I mean that that in itself, you know, snakes on a plane, leprechaun right. court. It could uh, it could intrigue some people. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, or you could just be incredibly vague and call it the trial. No, I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> we've got to, we've got to make it very clear that this movie is about leprechauns. We want to take every advantage of that that we can while we're doing it. Fool's gold. <laughs> I think those are all the names of existing movies, actually. <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I enjoyed it. I I can always go for a, a nice Rashomon setup. Yeah, it's always... My, my holiday ones have increasingly become about inventing new technology to watch movies in new ways. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's something that a lot of uh, filmmakers end up being obsessed about. Like, the boner that Zemeckis has for technology is just unending. I hear (laughs) you. It's a little creepy. Puppets over CGI, please. I just... (sighs) 
still so upset. Um, <laughs> anyway, if you want to talk about how upset you are about Robert Zemeckis's flagrant and overindulgent use of CGI, you can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then you can also email us at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com. Please like us, subscribe to us, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Very well said. All right. Well, let's get into some love bites or some love shots, some love chugs since it's uh, St. Patty's Day. Yeah, there's got to be. I don't know. I was going to say something. I I don't love. Yes. (laughs) Let's do it. Love clovers. Um, Okay. So tell me, what have you got for us this week? Well, I'm going to go down the route of recommending something related to the theme, like oh, you usually do. you're pulling do. a Shira. Yes. And so my Shira for this theme would be Sorche Ronin. I would specifically recommend the movie Hannah, which I think is one of the most amazing movies of all time. It's a great movie. That movie is fantastic. Um, and it's from a guy who kind of would be like a hero of the show in terms of he mostly does romantic type movies. And then for whatever reason, he decided I'm going to make an action spy thriller. And we got an incredibly unique vision of what an action spy thriller would be from someone who wasn't trying to replicate every other action spy thriller out there. So I think Hannah, Hannah does that extremely well. Kate Blanchett freaking kills it. Uh, I think his name is Tom Hollander. Kills it. Eric Bana freaking kills it. Everyone in this movie He's kills it. He's the mentor, it. right? Yeah. And it's amazing. The The movie is beautiful. It looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. The score is amazing. Uh, I just, this movie is wonderful. Um, and so, but I, I also realized that that movie probably isn't for everyone. So I would say, Anything Sorche Ronan is in, she's good in it. So, yeah, I almost thought about choosing Brooklyn, yeah, uh, because that's an you know that's an Irish romance movie. But I also was like, well, what if I saved Brooklyn? You know, like yeah, what if, there was something else Brooklyn would p- pair well with, and let's just do Leprechauns. But um, we yeah, could I, do Hannah as a horror movie because it's very fairy tale based. It, it, well, you know, I I've told you I mentioned one. Of, I I knew that you weren't going to choose it, but one of the movies I mentioned to you that I was interested in us doing was Ever After, which is the uh, Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore. All right. the Drew Barrymore Cinderella, yeah, where uh, Leonardo da Vinci is her fairy godmother. Oh, for that's some right. Inex- for some inexplicable reason, it's Leonardo da Vinci. Um, but I don't know. There's something about that movie that's very charming. But if you wanted to do fairy tales in the future, a uh, potential teaser for a future Ooh. episode here, uh, then, yeah, I would I would gladly do Hannah versus Ever After. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think Hannah's a great movie. Remind me, who is it that directed it again? Oh, boy. Now that I have to think of the name. I'm not going to be able to think of it. Joe Wright. Joe Wright. Yes. Which 
You are correct. Joe Wright isn't known for romantic comedies, but he's known for romantic period pieces. Yeah. And he's done some excellent ones. In fact, I think that the movie, I think he did Atonement yeah. uh, with Kiera Knightley, has one of the sexiest kiss scenes Whoa. on record. The The scene between Kiera Knightley and James McAvoy is hot. All right. I yeah, I've seen I've seen his other stuff before, but it didn't it did not speak to me nearly as much as Hannah spoke to me, which I I would imagine so. Yeah. Big time. Um but yeah, what's your love bite? Love so glug. I, I kind of I kind of went uh I went I did something different this time. I couldn't think of like a a St. Patrick's Day or an Irish movie that I wanted to recommend. I mean, if I were going to just recommend an actor, I'd say Killian Murphy, just oh, yeah. Killian Murphy everything. Um but I was thinking of good movies that I've seen that had actors from the movies we watched. So number 1, uh, Luck of the Irish had Anne Baxter, and I mentioned that the movie that she's most famous for is All About Eve. It's a classic tale as old of time of an older woman taking in a younger woman who then proceeds to take everything in the older woman's life that she wants, including her job and her man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a good movie. It's It's so, like... It's very, um, you know how Laura is very catty? All the characters in Laura are always trading barbs with each other and and dressing each other down and throwing shade. All About Eve is just like that. Right. Uh, it's it's famous for uh, Betty Davis's line, uh, buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, and uh, in fact, this was, I think, one of Marilyn Monroe's first movies. And she was so afraid to be Betty Davis's scene partner that I think she threw up and fainted or something. Ooh. But just like the idea of right. being in a scene with Betty Davis was just so anxiety inducing because she's, you know, at the top of her game in this movie. And, and so is Ann Baxter. Ann Baxter's really good in this movie as Eve. Uh, and then the second movie that I wanted to recommend, which I think is one of Warwick Davis's best movies, is Willow, the fantasy movie Willow, where Warwick Davis must deliver a baby and keep it safe from villains and monsters. And along the way, he meets up with a mercenary played by Val Kilmer, who is also very hot in this mm-hmm. particular role. Like, you know, like how Brendan Fraser had peak handsomeness in the time where he was everything. I feel like this is like right around the saint and, you know, some of the movies that really made Val Kilmer look good. Yeah. Um, and, and his whole sexual tension with the, um, the female warrior character in the movie is really great, but yeah, Willow it's directed by Ron Howard. It's a, a fun family fantasy adventure movie. Very nice. Willow and all about Eve. Yes. And then Hannah, I think between Hannah. the three of those movies, you've got some, you've got some great choices. Yeah, that's some that's a solid weekend of movies. Mhm. Yeah, it's a it's a good hangover cure. Yeah, especially after all that green beer and corned beef. Mm-hmm. 
Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.